Hey, 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 what is up? Another trigger proof transmission coming to you from British Columbia, Canada. I felt really inspired uh, to, after, you know, the, these transmissions really are the product of having uh, conversations with the people in our Cycle Breakers uh, community. And what happens is something comes up and I see a pattern with the students and the clients we're working with. And I think to myself, wow, what would I, what message would I tell the public? What is it that I want people to know in the realm of healing trauma bonds? And all of a sudden a uh, podcast episode, YouTube video, Facebook live, Whatever I'm doing right now, I just hit that record button and then I speak. And I don't know if you, you're new to my work. Uh, if, you, if you are, what's up? My name is Dr. Nima Romani and I'm a retired chiropractor who discovered a really unholy union between codependency, trauma bonds, and chronic pain in my patients. And you know, this was like back in 2009 and I really felt concerned and I thought these people when they go to the psychologist or counselor for these emotional issues, for these attachment trauma issues, aren't really getting to the root of it. And there's a really unholy union between their unresolved attachment wounds and their chronic pains. They're not going to get better. I'm not going to help them get better if they're not addressing the upstream root cause. And so I'm speaking into a camera and a microphone right now, but all of this began when I was um, in my office uh, speaking to in my kind of uh, office waiting room. I would do these workshops. I would call them life skills for a stressful world. And I would basically teach my patients really what I really wish they understood about why they weren't well so that they can learn how to become their own medicine. Little did I know at the time that I was unconsciously creating a methodology to heal attachment trauma. And as I went through teaching and working with patients um, and then going through my own challenges, my own struggles, my own foibles in the world of relationships, I was divorced in 2011 after three years of marriage to my ex-wife Maria, we're great friends now. We kind of have come full circle looking back and going, wow, we were blind. We were blindsided by completely fantasy land of what we thought relationships should be. We didn't know how to, we didn't understand self-regulation, all of that stuff. But after my divorce and several failed relationships later, going through the exact same process where I would really deeply want a connection with somebody but I was deathly afraid of commitment. And so I was kind of like, I didn't know it at the time, but I was insecure avoidant, constantly attracting anxiously attached people, which is why I get a lot of times from the students and clients that we work with, a lot of the people will say, wow, you're exactly like my, my husband. You're exactly like my ex. You remind me a lot of my boyfriend or my ex or somebody, my, my narcissistic ex. <laughs> and so... Um, I was that guy. I was that avoidant guy. I was the player. I was constantly showing up in a kind of the narcissistic codependent 
dynamic, which now we understand to be the trauma bond. I didn't know it at the time. Uh, but it was going through my own relationship challenges and trying to sort those out um, to going into my last relationship. I'm married now, but my last relationship where I was with a former sex worker uh, prostitute, madam as well. And I thought that that was intriguing. Little did I know that my sexual shadows at the time weren't integrated. And so thought that it would be a good idea to kind of, uh, pair up with somebody like that and have them help me build my company. And, um, it was a, volatile relationship, push-pull dynamic. Should I stay? Should I go? The fear of commitment ran me. I, you know, I would want the relationship, but then I didn't want to commit to it. I didn't want to go through another divorce. I didn't want to lose half my shit. I had a very untrusting relationship with women. On one hand, I wanted the attention and the nurture. On the other hand, I didn't want the responsibility. I was kind of living in Peter Pan syndrome. And it wasn't until that relationship really hit a big uh, wall where, you know, things got really volatile and I got violent as a wake up call going, okay, you know, it was March 11th, 2018. And our relationship had bubbled. It was constant kind of like, what are we? What are we? I want some sort of a guarantee. She wanted some sort of a guarantee. Her and her abandonment anxiety, she was her abandonment anxiety went straight through the roof. She was highly codependent. Um, she uh, would attend CODA meetings. Um, and I remember her saying, God, I would give my right arm to not have this codependency. I don't know how to not have this codependency. And I didn't really understand what codependency was until I started dating her. And whew, it was this experience of, you know, I love you. Get away from me. You're good for me. You're, you know, I can't live without you. I can't live with you. Push, pull. And what I wasn't understanding at the time was that I was in the midst of a trauma bond. And I went through this whole process of healing. I did the most uncomfortable thing when I realized what was happening. Um, I realized that my part of this mess, I had to take full ownership of how I got there. And the, 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 the part that was really uncomfortable for me to realize was that I had never been alone in a relationship um, since I was like 18, I always had one person after another. It wasn't difficult for me to find somebody else. Right. And, uh, you know, I had a lot going for me. Um, you know, I great chiropractor and I created this methodology that helps everybody. It was like, I would, it was unfair. It was an unfair advantage. I would show up on dates and the person I would, you know, dating usually was just you know, overcoming like a heartbreak. And then I would use the overview method and I would help them, you know, in the, on the first date, they would be in tears going, wow, this is totally wow. And then I would be the rescuer. And then we would go through the whole drama triangle cycle where the, whenever you're being rescued by somebody, they always turn into your, you know, the person who hurts you, right? Either they leave you, they kind of dump you. And I was that guy. I was constantly looking for damsels in distress, not realizing that that was my unhealed wounds, my unintegrated shadow. 
um, you know, I really, you know, the, the damsel in distress in some point kind of attracts the rescuer savior complex type of person. And in, if you're really honest with yourself in every relationship dynamic, that is a trauma bond. It usually starts off with two people co-idealizing one another, co-rescuing one another. He's rescuing her from, let's say finances, damsel in distress, single mom needing money. He's got money rescued damsel in distress. Uh, just, just one example, they had, you know, it, it totally can work the other way. And then the other example is he's lonely. He's got low self-esteem. She becomes the vixen who gives him sex and validation, rescues him from his low self-esteem. Boom, you have a co-rescuing operation. And now this is the foundation of a trauma bond. And so I really, really, when I was at that rock bottom, I had to figure out what the fuck happened. How did I get into this situation? And here's the most important thing. Number one, how did I get here? How do I make sure this never happens again? And if I can do number one and number two and find a healthy relationship that feels secure, that feels stable, that doesn't have these same push-pull dynamics, God forbid, have a family, because I didn't think that that was possible. I was hitting my early 40s going, I don't think this is going to happen for me. I don't really have a desire to settle down or have commitment issues. I did my work and I went through the process of uh, healing from these trauma bonds. And so then I met somebody who totally felt different. Our relationship felt different. We got pregnant. We had a baby. We got married. And now we have a beautiful growing family. He's Dominic is now at the recording of this two years old. And um, I can honestly say it's been the most difficult but rewarding journey learning how to break free from trauma bonds. And so now what I do is I retired from chiropractic in 2021 uh, because I was just telling my story. People were resonating. People were DMing me emailing me these long stories of, wow, I, I'm listening to your story. This is my story. I totally resonate with it. Would you be able to help me? And I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, these are the five pillars. They're the five pillars that I had to learn because it wasn't available anywhere else. They say trauma bonds are impossible to heal. Codependency is not possible. Um, but then I realized there's five pillars that they're not teaching you all together. Like you have to go there and there and there and there and there. There isn't one person, one place orchestrating it. So I had to learn how to do it for myself. I'm a smart dude, but this type of um, work goes beyond the intellect. We must learn how to go beyond the intellect and go much deeper. And so now um, what I do now uh, is I run a community of people who are committed to breaking the cycle of intergenerational trauma. Cause that's really what, what I realized was, you know, in order to heal this with your relationship challenge, your codependency, whatever ha is happening, the way that we heal it is we acknowledge that this did not start with us. You got to go back and look at the modeling of relationships that you received from your, from your family system, from your family of origin. What was the relationship like with your parents? What, what, what happened? How did they handle conflict? 
how did they handle? Were they completely behind closed doors? So you were in the dark and you didn't have conflict resolution modeled to you? Well, guess what's going to happen? You don't know how to do conflict and then conflict carries certain meaning. So then all of a sudden you suppress your truth in fear of having conflict. And then when you suppress your truth, you create an inner conflict and you abandon yourself. And so health problems as a result of this, um, in, in, insecure relationships, uh, relationships that aren't truly authentic, you know, that, that lack intimacy and all sorts of problems happen if we aren't modeled healthy, secure attachment uh, and and like ruptures, you know, and so so we've been helping people who identify as codependents, who identify as narcissists. Um, uh, borderlines a little bit challenging. I got to admit, uh, we've we've worked with a few, and um, full transparency, it doesn't work out well. Borderlines and narcissists, uh, cluster B personality types are very challenging to work with because in order to heal, we must evoke and trigger the very the very challenges that are are stopping us. I remember when I went to anger management and I remember asking, you know, how do I know if I've healed from this? They say, well, you're going to get that thing triggered and you don't react the same. The way that you respond is different. Well, that means that you have to actually have the thing triggered. So like, it's like saying, you know, I want to heal from my fear of, of going into elevators, but don't, but, but I don't want to be triggered. How do you know that you've healed from your fear of elevators by getting into a fucking elevator? So it's funny. I just had a DM from a dude. He's like, I really want to heal this, but uh, I'm afraid of doing meditation because, you know, my ex-wife, my wife who's separating from me is a yoga teacher and does meditation. I'm afraid of being triggered. So if you're doing some meditation work and personal development work with that involves meditation and, and, and stuff like that, it might trigger me and I'm afraid of that. But can you help me anyway? And it's like, dude, <laughs> it's like in order to heal, the way that you know that you've healed is that you have that stimulus in front of you and who you're being is a completely different person around that. In other words, in order to heal, especially from codependency, we must become a different person. You cannot... You cannot heal being the same person. We got to be a different person. Being is our thoughts and feelings and our con construct of the universe must change. And we don't want to change. We want everything else to change for us, but we don't want to change. And so that's why I say, you know, borderlines, people who have border identify with borderline and narcissists. First of all, narcissists generally don't admit uh, to wanting to heal that they they don't want to work on it <laughs> depends on how i mean we all have an inner kanye west inside of us we all have narcissism inside of us we all have parts that are codependent but my experience the further along you go along the spectrum uh, with narcissism and borderline cluster b personality they're the most difficult to work with because when they're when they get activated they get right into victimhood and everything becomes an attack on them. And so receiving feedback is really important, a really important part of healing. 
But if you have kind of like if feedback gives you narcissistic injury and you get reactive and then they become pretty abusive, very difficult to work with. So we've now created some boundaries uh, with an application process and an interview to make sure that the people that we're seeing in our Cycle Breakers community are actually resilient enough. I mean, we all have our our challenges and our foibles and um, our path to growth. But um, we want to make sure that the people that we are actually helping um, are within certain boundaries of uh, and receptivity. That's the key. How receptive are you to receiving challenging feedback? So um, in the realm of code of healing codependency, what I wanted to share with you on this training, really short training, was a major blind spot that most codependents have. Um, and I wanted to share it with you just if, uh, if you're on the path towards your healing, uh, you're getting therapy, you're, you know, all of that stuff and you really want to heal. There's a few blind spots that I want to, it, it really encourage you to, to look at, uh, because here it is, you know, the reason why we can't becomes the reason why we must. This is the big blind spot. And I'm going to say a, a few others as they come to my mind. But there's a few that, that I want you to, that I'm, I'm actually going to write it down. <laughs> the first blind spot in healing codependency is you're going to have an excuse that stops you. That excuse is, I don't have any money. Well, the reason why you don't have any money to invest, there's a reason. There, and I'm, I'm, you know, money, I'm not here to shame you for it. We already have a shameful story about money. We already have a shameful story about love and deserving. Uh, and so when the topic of money comes up, oof, people, the shame comes up and then it gets, you know, people, people, you know, when, when we actually, you know, they expect that our service, the big one, they expect that our services should be free beyond the free content that I put out. Uh, the podcasts, hundreds of hours of podcasts that I, you know, invest money to put out to meet the right people who are actually ready to do the work with us. The reason why we can afford to put out this content, uh, hundreds of hours, uh, is because of the people that actually reach out and go, I'm ready to invest. I feel safe with you. I feel like you're, you know, a no BS type of person. I'd like to, I'd like to actually work on this because YouTube videos, they're great, but they're not actually doing the work. So I can't because I have kids. I can't because my work schedule doesn't allow it. Well, consider the possibility that the reason why we've gotten ourselves in the position where we can't focus on our own healing and make our healing a priority is the reason why we must make our healing a priority. So the first blind spot is the reason... why I can't is the reason why I must. With codependence and with trauma in general, people will say to me like, oh, I can't, I have kids. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You gotta heal these wounds because you have kids. I remember uh, I got pulled over. I got called out on this before. Uh, I got a speeding ticket. This um, That's the first one I wanted to write down. The reason why you can't becomes the reason why you must. Um, 
I totally got called out this summer. I was driving too fast and a cop pulled me over and my wife and my son, my son was in his car seat in the back and he was like, yeah, I'm giving you a ticket. I'm like, officer, please, could, could, you know, I'm late. We got to go so-and-so. I have a kid in the back and he looks at me dead in the eyes and he goes, exactly. You have a kid in the back. You shouldn't be speeding. And I was like, oh, fuck, damn, you're right. <laughs> He's right. And it's like, this is what I tell people every single day. You know, it's the reason why you can't think of why you haven't been able to heal from your codependency. You know, the exact reason. Just imagine that reason why you haven't been able to. That's the reason why you must. I don't care what it is. Just write down whatever excuse it is. I don't have money. I don't have time. Uh, my Oh, here's the other one. Uh, my, my partner isn't supportive. Okay, so I'm going to do my trauma healing work. And I'm 100%, but I can't. Why? Well, because I have to ask permission from that person. It's like, oh my God. The fact that you have to ask fucking permission is a good sign that you have been enslaved because in a secure relationship, you, you know, which in a secure relationship, like if my wife came up to me and, and was like, I need this, 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 and this, this is for my health, it's for my well-being, you know, I'd be like, all right, totally, this is for your well-being because your well-being is my well-being, right? And that's where a secure relationship is, you know? There's a, there's a, a union there, which because there isn't a union there and you're in a relationship with somebody who likely isn't unified with you is exactly why that person will need, will require to do their healing work. So that's the first blind spot. So there's several. Uh, blind spots. Maybe I should update that. I said the one blind spot. There's a couple that I wanted to mention. The second blind spot here is this term. The second blind spot, two blind spots here. The second one is identity of confluence. Let me just write that a little bit. <laughs> my my uh, community always makes fun of the way I actually make fun of the way that I write. Identity of confluence. What the hell do I mean by that? This is the major blind spot of codependency, confluence. I want you to think of confluence as it's like two rivers coming and then they're literally becoming one. What you have to understand is when co what codependency actually is, it begins in childhood where the child's needs emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, whatever, aren't met. And um, the child is put in a position where they're not seen and they are getting the felt sense that they must perform or work for love you know they they they're you're here to play the role maybe that role is to be like a parent i have just one of my clients that i'm working with today she 
she's in this kind of identity of confluence that contributed to her codependency with a narcissistic father who parentified her constantly was was like oh actually emotional incest is another one it's kind of like you are mommy's partner emotional partner you're taking on and being the emotional sounding board for a parent that's called parentification or it's also called emotional incest where you were put in a position where to be a good boy to be a good girl you were there to kind of take care of the needs of daddy or mommy emotionally and being their sounding board and kind of like a, a romantic partner to them, like a, like a romantic partner would be. You know, another one of my uh, codependent clients, she, um, she was her, her father's, she was her father's um, and her mother's emotional sounding board, was like holding space for them even at the age of five. Right. And what happens is the five year old doesn't think, oh, you know what? These guys have unhealed traumas and they're parentifying me. Let me just set some boundaries and say, hey, mom, dad, go to a therapist. I don't want to be your therapist. I'm a kid. I want to be a kid. No, the kid doesn't do that. The kid turns around and shifts their identity to, conf to, to have confluence. Why? Well, because to get your survival needs met right? To get your survival needs met. And so what happens is you develop the sense of identity of, of being, of, of having confluence of, of integrating and merging and fusing with the person that you're with. Their preferences become your preferences. And there is a why? Well, because it will evoke such painful abandonment anxiety if you were to have a boundary. And instead of risking your abandonment by setting a boundary, what we do is what we have porous boundaries. There is no sense of self and we just merge with the other person, which is a perfect match for somebody who needs to parasite off of another person to get their to get their needs met. So this codependent becomes a perfect energetic match for a narcissist. Be a narcissist who needs somebody to fuse with them to feel important. Okay, so this is the key. Borderlines especially. So borderline to narcissist is like a perfect unholy union. It's like soulmates, right? soulmates that become cellmates because you've developed an identity of confluence and this identity of confluence is pretty damn near impossible to break like impossible because what happens is people will reach out and go i'm with a narcissist uh, i'm with somebody and they they they're ready to leave uh, I, I want to save my marriage. I want to, how do we do this? How do we do this? I want to do the work because, because I'm going to lose this person. And it's like, Ooh, there's a red flag as a, as a person who specializes in helping people break trauma bonds, I can sense who's going to be successful and who's going to fall flat on their face 
and fail miserably. And that before I used to take everyone. Now, after doing this for like five, six years, I'm like, mm, we got an interview process. I want to see if you're actually ready. The person who's ready, I'll, I'll tell you, out of 10 people who apply, only out of 20 people who apply, I would say maybe one is truly ready. It's really sad. All these applications that we get and I'd read it. I'm like, there's no way this person is, is ready. Let me give you an example. Uh, identity of confluence person DMS me and applies and is like, why does my husband keep cheating on me? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, all right. First of all, if you've never met me before, I don't just fucking sugarcoat stuff. <laughs> I'm like the David Goggins of healing trauma bonds. I think we, I, I have, I'm of the belief that we're in a kind of sea of toxic positivity and in these kind of counseling and therapy sessions are all about just blowing sunshine up your ass and validating your perspective, which doesn't involve you growing at all. I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. We do need somebody who can hold space as an empathetic witness, 100%. That's important, you know, because trauma isn't what happens to us. It's what happens inside of us in the absence of an empathetic witness. So it's important that you, the person that you are receiving guidance from and help from doesn't just keep fucking invalidating you and say, come on, you pussy, what's the matter with you? No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm saying step one, empathetic witness, but the big blind spot in the entire profession in the psychological world is that you go two years, three years with these counselors and psychotherapists who have, may, might have degrees, but they haven't integrated their own shadows. They're actually might just validate your story. See you next week, giving you no tools, not teaching you how to shift things within your body and how to become your own medicine. There's no learning and there's no growth in that. You'll stay stagnant, right? So what I do basically is we have these interview processes and people DM me and they're like, why does my husband keep cheating on me? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> why do you keep, it's because you keep taking him back. And I'm just like saying it to her, to her face. And she's like, oh, so you're saying it's my fault? And it's like, oh my gosh, we're doing this whole fault thing. First of all, let me make one thing clear. In order to heal from trauma bonds, we have to stop using the word fault and blame. This is not about victim blaming. This is not about faulting the victim. This is about going, all right, your husband isn't the one reaching out to me. If he reached out to me and he went, I can't stop cheating on my wife. What the fuck is going on? Right? I have a problem. This person, I don't want to lose her. And I got to solve this. Can you help me? Boom. Now we're getting somewhere. He's ready. He's like, okay, I don't want to lose this person. There's a... There's a tone of humility there, which is necessary in healing trauma. We must have a tone of humility, whereas some people, especially with if you've gone too far in the cluster B personality type group, there is no humility. You have this fucking grandiosity, and it's really difficult because you can't heal when you're really uh, just kind of married to your, to your grandiosity story that you're the right one and everybody else has got the problem right? That's not going to let, let, that's not going to lend you into a, 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 
an outcome that's inspiring to you. The real question you got to ask is, okay, so what is the outcome that you want, right? What outcome do you want? Well, I want, you know, like, so let me give you an example. She says, are you blaming me? I'm like, no, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying like, this is why he, he keeps cheating. This is why, because you haven't created a, a consequence, a boundary that says, if you are with another person, then you don't have me. And because he doesn't have that boundary, all he gets is maybe some whining. It's not a real boundary, you know, and he's treating you to the exact same degree as you're treating you. So, no, I love myself. I just love him. I want to help him. It's like, okay, this is the blind spot. We have an identity of confluence. You don't know who you are outside of this role of being the helper. Where the fuck does that come from? It comes from an identity of being a slave. It comes from an identity of abandoning yourself to have attachment, to get your attachment needs met. So you're not going to solve the problem in your marriage by talking about him because it's got fucking nothing to do with him. And it's got everything to do with why you feel the need to betray yourself again and again and again because who you feel you are is unworthy of love without this person's validation. Why? Because of your identity of confluence. And so here's what happens. The second that the codependent is, all right, so what do I got to do about this? Well, we have an event coming up or boom, here, this is an application form. It's got $150 refundable deposit because we've had so many people who are codependent say, I'm ready to heal and they apply, then they don't show up. And all of a sudden it's like happens so often because of the trauma response, the freeze response. We literally eliminated all no shows by putting that deposit down. Yay for us. It's called a boundary <laughs> after it was like, fuck. Why are we letting this happen? Oh, why do we not think that our time is, is worth it? Oh, yeah, it is. So this year, I'm pleased to say, since putting up that boundary, we have literally eliminated anybody who isn't truly committed to healing from their trauma bonds. And it works, right? This has got to be, and here's the key, is that the principle that I have and who I help the people that are in our cycle breakers community, it's got to be just as healing for me as it is for the person in the community, right? Because I'm not, the way that we have it in our community, our, the community is the guru. There are no gurus. We don't put people on pedestals. I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a heavily flawed human being who's on a, on a very, very important path and an important purpose. I'm no saint. I'm constantly working on integrating my shadows. Today is only day one. I know what I'm here to do. I know what I suck at. I'm not, a, I'm not great at drawing and artwork and calligraphy, as you could plainly see. But I am a fucking genius when it comes to finding the right people who are ready to take off the mask, to individuate into their own sense of self, the sense of self that they lost when they were children, trying to conform and become confluent to keep their attachment needs met and realizing that this way of being has been 
with them not only from childhood but long before they were born. This is a cycle from a long time ago. And they are worth it because they are ready to stop that cycle from passing on to the kids. Because if they're honest, they look and they go, shit, my kids are now following in my footsteps and I'll be damned if they live in the same situation that I do. I'm ready to take this on. I don't care. Um, I don't care if my partner does it with me or not. That's the key. This is the key question that I ask that tests. Let me ask you this question. This is the question you want to ask yourself. If your partner says, I want to do the work because I want to save my marriage. So here's the question. Are you going to do the work? What if, what if they say no regardless? What if they choose that they want to leave regardless and they're done? Are you still going to do the healing work? Ah, that confronts them. That's one of the questions we ask. This is one of the tests that we use to see if somebody's actually sincere. What if they decide that you're going to leave, that they're going to leave you? Are you still wanting to heal the root cause of this? and break free from the trauma bond so that you can create a secure relationship down the road. Are you still going to do it? And they're like, oh, then it exposes the inauthenticity because what they're, what they realize is that the person realizes that they're doing the work. It's just a doing so that they can have, if you're doing the work so you can have somebody's approval, there's, a, there's an incongruency there. If you're doing the work so that you can have reconciliation, there's an incongruency there and there will, it will virtually eliminate your chances of reconciliation. But if you're doing so that you can be a greater person who's not at the effect of their traumas, that's the only chance you have of reconciliation where your partner who is ready to leave sees you and goes, holy fuck you're a completely different person. You would be add value to my life because of who you've become. I don't want to lose you. That person didn't take on their healing work and their trauma healing work and breaking free from their trauma bonds, learning the five pillars that it takes to integrate uh, and, and to heal from their, from their uh, unresolved attachment wounds. That person becomes magnetic. But if you're doing it just to have, it will literally eliminate chance, any chance of reconciliation. And so how do we know when the person's like, look, whether they, whether I save my marriage, whether I save my relationship or not, I got to do this for me. I got to do this for my kids. I'm not doing this to get them back. Yeah, of course, I would really want, you know, there's a big part of me that is hoping that they will see me and then take me back but I got to do this for me. Boom. That person is now looking to break free from the confluence and find the self that they lost in childhood. That person becomes magnetic. Now, the good news is that person, whether that person um, attracts that same partner who steps up to meet them or that person leaves, they're going to meet somebody exactly at that level. You know, I have, this reminds me of two, two of my clients, Michelle, who was like, I'm doing this for me. She gets up and leaves, heals, 
like she was on eight different medications, chronic pain, chronic illness, um, uh, autoimmune stuff. And as she did her healing work, her body healed. She moved on. She wasn't ready to jump into another relationship. She was just healing with her. And now, three years later, she's engaged. She's getting married. Uh, and she's invited me to her wedding. <laughs> she invited me and my team, Eilina. And um, in our, she invited us to her wedding. She said, I couldn't have gotten here without you. I was like, yeah. But she basically decided to shift her identity of confluence and become her own individual person and now has met somebody who's meeting her exactly at that level and her daughter is fucking crushing it healthy situation and so she's a cycle breaker right and she moved on from her marriage when she stepped up she goes I, he's not going to do the work i'm doing this for me cool great the second person was pamela she's like i he's not doing it we do counseling it's just not working. You know, he ha keeps having affairs. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to do. Two months into our Cycle Breakers program, she all of a sudden goes, all right, I'm ready to leave. Now, he said that to her, she said that to him on a counseling session. He turns to her and goes, I totally understand. And he actually helped her move. And he lost her as a result. And guess what happened? You know, she was, it was sad. It was heartbreaking. She felt huge amount of guilt. That's one of the key components of codependency. Another blind spot is that you have an intolerance to guilt because it evokes toxic shame. You'd rather be, you don't want to be the bad guy, you know, because it evokes toxic shame. So you'll stick around and, you know, and abandon yourself. So you, you replace guilt with resentment. So you're resentful all the fucking time. You're tired, you're burnt out, your adrenals are shot, your digestion is shot, anxious all the time. You look in the mirror and you can't stand yourself. And then now your kids are following in your footsteps. It's just like clockwork. I literally saw people, patients like this in my office. I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to help them in the office. I want to work with those who are ready to break the cycle. So um, she did the work and all of a sudden, six months later, one year later, she messages me and she's like, guess what? What? He totally stepped up and owned his shit and we're stronger than ever. And they got back together. They moved back in and now they still go through their challenges, you know, arguments like any couples do, but they're committed and he stopped having affairs. Lo and behold, look at that. So the woman who DMs me and is like, when will he stop? Why does he not stop having affairs? Like, because you keep fucking letting him. <laughs> like, what? what you, yeah, but why doesn't he take any responsibility? I'm like, I don't know. Because you're letting him. I'm not, he doesn't, he, he doesn't have a problem. You're the one with the problem. You know, why doesn't he take responsibility? Yeah, I get it. The childlike part of us just wants other people to fix it. The cycle breaker steps up and says, they're at the effect of their wounds. They're responsible for their wounds. It's not my job to rescue them. It's time that I rescue myself and I break free from this identity of confluence and I learn how to become to myself what I never received and receive the guidance, the training, the tools, the support, the strategy to make that happen because I'm that important. Uh, but what will other people think of me? What if I don't get 
approved of by my partner. Well, the reason why you can't becomes the reason why you must. And that's the most frustrating part of my job. Thank you. This is, this is my therapy, just to tell you how frustrating it is. Uh, working with those peeps who are like, I'm ready to break the cycle. I'm like, okay, let's see. Let's see what happens when <laughs> I'm ready. I've been following your stuff. I'm so ready. I'm like, okay, sure. Let's see what happens when you realize that it's about you working on you. Wait, wait, wait. Am I going to be triggered? Yep. Yep. You can't heal unless those same stimuli that held you back get evoked. They actually get evoked in the enrollment process, in the application process. On my, um, on my discovery call application, I have a video there. I'm like, just wait. Just letting you know this whole process is going to activate you because I'm getting you to fill out questions that bring up your story and you're going to have all these feelings and then you're going to freeze and then you're not going to want to finish. And so that gives us an idea if you're actually ready because the people who get through the application process and then get an interview, by the time they speak to Kim, Kim knows if they're going to be successful and says, yeah, you're going to do it. We'll make, you, we'll make you the offer. There it is. And then other people is like, nope, you're not ready. Please come to breath work first. Please do so-and-so. Doesn't feel like you're ready. How do I, why, why are we ready? And then, you know, when you tell somebody, no, this is a good way to know if the person is welcome in your life, tell a person no and see how they react. See how they react to your boundaries. Often we get people who feel narcissistically injured by our no. Like, we don't think that you're ready. We think this is going to be too stressful for you financially, whatever. And no, this has got to be a fuck yes for both of us. Because if you're gonna if we if you're gonna be leaning on us too much and you're gonna be constantly needy, this is the, like you're responsible for you here. Like we're teaching you how to be a functional adult. And if you know you're constantly wanting to play that victim role and you're not willing to take that responsibility, there are great therapists out there for you to just keep rehashing your story. This is different. This is for people that are ready to break the cycle. And in order to do that, you gotta have somebody poking you intentionally to help you change the way that you react to things so that you're responsive from an adult place. So that who you're being, your identity can shift. Because who you, you're not gonna be able to heal with the same identity that brought you into that trauma bond. It's not your fault nobody to blame and it's your responsibility and so that's what i wanted to share with you on today's uh, trigger proof transmission let me know what comes up for you let me know what your i always list i always read all the comments send me a dm if you're actually ready um and you're willing to do the work and you're willing to make yourself a priority and and go through our process it's our it's an intimacy it's called the intimacy audit we get to see how well, how resilient your system is to feedback and to see, are you ready to break that cycle? Are you ready to actually create within a short period of time, by this time next year and by next Christmas, to be able to say, wow, I have a secure relationship with myself. You know, I'm not going to tolerate being in a relationship with another person who isn't going to meet me mutually. And I'm willing to make myself a priority for the first time in my life. When? 
when, when is that going to be a, a good time? So that's my invitation for you. Let me know what came up for you in this, uh, in this training. Those two blind spots, the reason why I can't becomes the reason why I must. And the identity of confluence must be overcome. You must lean into that if you're willing to go to the other side. And I got to say, the other side is beautiful. It's nice to feel safe in my home. It's nice to have my home feel like a sanctuary instead of a battlefield where I'm just dreading. I remember in my last codependent relationship, I fucking dreaded coming home, right? It's if, if, if you notice your partner is dreading coming home because they don't feel safe around your energy, this is a red flag. Not your fault, but there's a lack of safety there. There's a trauma bond happening. And the good news is it doesn't have to be that way if you're willing to lean in to the two blind spots that the reason why you can't becomes the reason why you must and the identity of confluence. Are you ready to shift your identity? Send me a DM saying I'm ready to change my identity and I'll see you on the other side. See you at the next perfect time.